Thank you. Good evening. It's uh, lovely to be at Revive. I'm loving the um, fairy lights. I'm liking the chilled ambiance. And I'm especially loving the hand sanitizer on the way in because it smells so much better than the hand sanitizer we have at Marley Hill. Just a little hint if anyone wants to replenish that, um, then that would be lovely. So, um, Tom asked me to um, carry on the series uh, that you've been doing here at Revive about um, intimacy and to talk about abiding in Jesus. So we're going to be unpacking um, some stuff from John 15. Um, but I was thinking about the word abide. I'm quite um, a fan of the, thes the, the, the thesaurus. So I looked at the word abide and there were a few other um, words that I kind of uh, picked out from the thesaurus that stood out to me. Um, one of them is remain, wait, linger, persist, pause, reside and rest. And I think all of those words really kind of encompass what I believe the Lord um, wants to teach us and encourage us with this evening. So I'm going to read um, from the vine and the branches, John 15, and I'm reading from the NIV and it uses the, uses the word remain. So it should come up on the screen. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Well done. We made it to the end. So Jesus is talking 
about fruit. And the fruit he's referring to in that passage is the fruit that we um, read about in Galatians. So it is the fruit, the character of the Holy Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love this passage, and it's often um, one that I like to come back to. And God always speaks to me really um, powerfully for it, because it's just such a healthy reminder to me uh, that I cannot change myself, that I cannot change my character. It is the job of the Holy Spirit at work in me to change me. But what I can do is put myself in that place where I'm asking the Holy Spirit. That's my job, is to come before the Father and ask the Holy Spirit to come and to be at work transforming me. And uh, remain is an active word. If we're to um, remain in the black in our bank balance, then we probably need to go to work. If we're to remain a certain weight, then we need to make sure that we move. So to remain means to do something. And in this passage, Jesus is, the thing that Jesus is inviting us to do is kind of active but kind of inactive because he's asking us to come to be still, to slow down, to make space, to make room, and to be really, really intentional in our lives about setting aside quality time to be with our Heavenly Father. And he invites us into this. And he says it's in this space, as we sit with God, as we're still with him, as we just listen for his still small voice, as we just rest in the fact that he loves us just as we are because of what Christ has done for us, that we can just be with him totally accepted and totally valued as his precious child. And as we're in that space and as we read um, the scriptures, that the scriptures will begin to speak to us and help us and change us and challenge us. And it's in that space that he does his pruning where he shows us the things in us that are not bearing good fruit, the things that he wants to cut off and the things that are and the things he wants to prune and to change. So to remain is to, to do something without doing something that is so powerful for the transformation, for the development of fruit, is to be. It's just to be in that space with the Lord. And God is so passionate that we allow him to transform us from glory into glory that we become more and more like Christ. Matthew 7 uh, 16 to 20 says by their fruit you will recognize them do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles likewise every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So Jesus uh, wasn't mucking about when he was talking about fruit. He was really, really serious. He said, you will be recognized. People will know you're my disciples because of what you are like. By the fruits of the Holy Spirit, transform your character to be like him. And we get this by remaining by abiding, by
by dwelling, by resting, by stopping in the presence of God. And it seems really simple, doesn't it? It seems, ah, oh, it sounds really simple, that. It seems like really simple. It seems really relaxing. And the funny thing is, it is really simple. It is really simple. But I'm definitely guilty of times of getting so preoccupied on what I'm doing that I find myself not making enough space to counterbalance all the activity in my life. And it's something I'm very passionate about, it's something I'm very conscious about, and it's something that I am actively making more time and more space for in my life. But there are definitely times where I can see in me that I think, I just kind of need to stop at this point, if possible, and remove myself. And just take a moment just to be with God, just to welcome his presence into whatever's going on, and just to be with him. And there's a fantastic story uh, about two sisters in the New Testament, uh, Martha and Mary. And I'm going to try really hard not to get them muddled up. But uh, I'm going to read it to us. And it's uh, Luke 10. At the home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So here we have um, a real-life situation about two sisters. And um, Martha extends this invitation to Jesus to come to her house. And she's obviously planning um, to cook for him and to kind of um, wait on him, which is, which is fantastic. Uh, however, she ends up in this situation and Martha gets really, really mad because Mary is not acting in the way that she wants her to. She wants her to be kind of rushing around with her and sorting the food out, sorting stuff out, kind of if she's like my husband, washing up as she goes along, always make sure she's got a clean kitchen. And um, Martha is getting more and more agitated by the second because she is a, can see her sister kind of like chilling out with Jesus and she probably would really like to be there, but she looks around and you can still see like stuff on the, that's spilled all over the floor from the cooking and Things aren't quite up to scratch and is someone else needing a drink. She's got all these distractions, all these things, this desire um, to impress, this desire to do a really, really good job, which is very admirable. However, she's kind of missing the whole reason that she invited Jesus to her house. I think she invited Jesus to her house because she loved Jesus and she wanted to spend time with him. And she knew that was a really great thing to do. But when she got busy and when she got active and when she got kind of all her responsibilities were weighing on her, she couldn't be with Jesus because all she could focus on was doing for Jesus, having everything just so for Jesus. And Martha gets to this point where she just explodes in anger and she's like, do you, does, tell my sister to come and help me. She doesn't care. And if I was Martha, I would have felt really embarrassed 
when Jesus said to her, Mary has chosen what is better. And to, um, I can see myself and both sisters here because if we have people around for food in our house, Jeff definitely does the bulk of the kind of the cooking and the fussing and the running around. And I'm really bad at multitasking, so I can't talk and do things at the same time, so I'll talk. And um, I will make sure I do help him. So in that sense, I'm not that much of a doer. I'm more of a Mary. But then there's other aspects in my life when I think, well, this just needs to be done properly and this just needs to be done just so. And I'll be like, um, Martha, and I'll be like, right, I've got to get this done and this, 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 and I've got this expectation and this responsibility and I want it done on time. That's all very good and it's all very admirable. But in this situation, Martha was missing that time with Jesus. She was missing the being that her soul was longing for and the whole point of her inviting Jesus round to be with Jesus. She was so busy doing that she had absolutely no time to be. And I think if you kind of look under the surface of this story, there's more going on than someone who's busy and someone who's relaxed. There's more going on than a kind of family domestic. Martha was up a height. Martha was up a height. And I think there was stuff going on in Martha's life. And I'm reading into this, but I think, I was thinking about Martha and I was praying about Martha and I was thinking, well, what's going on with her? So here we have these two women who are sisters and they're grown up. They haven't been married, which in the times of the Bible was a really important thing to do. They didn't have any children. So maybe Martha felt like she wasn't validated. Maybe Martha felt she had to prove herself. Maybe she felt like she had to have someone say to her, Martha, you're doing a really good job. Martha, you have got value. But the thing with Martha was she had this opportunity to come and be with Jesus. He was sitting there in her house. She had the opportunity to come to the place that God invites all of us to, to find our true worth and our true validation and our true well done and our true point and our true purpose. And she missed it because she was so busy, because she hadn't slowed down enough to recognize that she was trying to find her value through her doing. And Jesus appreciated, I'm sure he appreciated her doing, but he knew that there was something so much better. He wasn't bothered about having a perfectly set out meal. He wasn't bothered if she hadn't cleaned up and tidied up as she'd been cooking or if her house was a bit of a mess. What he wanted from her, what he wants from us, is not that we do the perfect job, not that we've always got every box ticked, but just that we come, just as we are, everything about us, and we sit and we are accepted and we get our worth, and we get our well done, and we get our points, and we get our purpose, and we get our fulfillment, and we get our love, and we get our value from our creator, from the one who made us, from the one who knows us, from the one who grants us inner peace and freedom. It is good to do. It really is. It is good to do, and we all need to do but we should never have our doing be bigger than our being. So 
some, many of us have work. It might be paid, it might be unpaid. Many of us have responsibilities in our homes, with our families, maybe in our, communi maybe in our communities. And it can be really kind of easy to separate our jobs, our responsibilities um, during the day as we get caught up in all the this and the that and the getting here and doing this and sending this email and speaking to this person and helping this child or this parent, whatever season of life we're in, whatever that looks like for us, it's so easy to get kind of caught up in the busy and the distraction. And sometimes we get so caught up that we end up kind of not being that fruitful. And when I say fruitful, I don't mean that we don't get the job done. Maybe we get the job done, but maybe we're not bearing fruit as we get the job done. Because maybe I'm so stressed out that I just haven't got room for the fruit of patience. Maybe I'm so angry because someone hasn't done something that I need on time that I've forgotten about the fruit of love or the fruit of peace. And you know, I'm a pastor, even, even working for the church, it comes with its pressures, it comes with its responsibilities, it comes with its um, vain and selfish ambition, thinking, well, I need that to be just right, or I need to see that grow, and I will have done my job properly. And it's something, even this morning, when we were singing about I surrender all, I was thinking, I, I surrender, I surrender um, my work, I surrender what that looks like, I surrender what the outcome of that is. Because if it's not done from a heart of love, Jesus says that it might as well be worth nothing. Something I've um, been learning to do as I've um, kind of done some of the stuff called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and looked, um, that's a course that I've been doing in church and I'm going to run again in January. I would love for you to sign up for that. It's all about looking at what is kind of slowing down to be with God and looking under the surface of what is going on in our inner person, that what makes us react in the way we react. So something I've been trying to do is um, at lunchtime in my work, I like just to take a minute just to sit there or if I'm in a kind of, I know I'm going to go into a meeting or something's going on or I can sense something in me that's just not right I like just to stop just sit at my desk for a minute and just invite the presence of God just to help me calm down help me to remember that my greatest work is to be with God that it's for his glory it's not for my glory and I'm called to bear fruit I'm not just called to get the job done I'm called to bear fruit as I go about my responsibilities I don't know if you feel a pressure to achieve a standard, maybe in work, maybe even in your home, as a parent, as a spouse, as a grandparent, as a child of an older parent. I don't know what responsibilities you have. But we can bring those responsibilities to the Lord and we can invite him into those responsibilities, into that work to help us to be fruitful. Maybe you live with um, a kind of a fear of failure, a little bit like Martha. You felt like you weren't going to quite do it right or you were going to let God down or you're going to let somebody else down if you don't have this thing just so. 
and it can cause you to lose your peace and it can cause you to react in a way that maybe you don't like. God is inviting you to slow down, to intentionally be with him and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what are those things in me that you want to chop off? What are those things, those stresses or those anxieties all those extra responsibilities that God hasn't asked of me, but I have kind of created in myself. What is it, Lord, that you want to change in me so that I can have that freedom and I can have that joy and I can have that peace and that lightness? So um, I've got three children. One of them has just started secondary school. At the minute, he's getting about an hour of homework every night. Um, I am finding that quite challenging. <laughs> and all his homework is on Google Classroom. And um, well, we've had codes to get on, and then when we've got on, we've had more codes to do more things. And I found it quite um, a stressful time. I found it quite hard at work. And um, a couple of weeks ago, it was kind of reaching its peak. <laughs> And it was definitely making me stressed. And I was tired because I'm having to get up half an hour earlier every morning to get somebody out of bed half an hour earlier. And I was ready to get the laptop and throw it out the window and just, ugh, I'd had enough. And I knew that I was getting grouchier and grouchier. And I had one night where I was just, I was just, pfft, I'd had enough. And I was just staring at the living room door. And my oldest son said to me, why are you looking at me? I said, I'm not looking at you. I'm, I'm just past myself. And I am staring at the door because that's about all I can do. And I had reached a point. I knew I had reached a point where I was not bearing good fruit and something had to change. And um, I just knew I'd reached a point. The thing that would be absolutely best for me the next day, when I had an afternoon off work, would just be to have a nap. Because I was tired, and I was grumpy, and I was not bearing fruit. So the next day, I did the most spiritual thing that I could do, and I had an afternoon snooze. And I felt a hundred times better. Because God speaks to us through our physical bodies. And I was just tired. I was just tired. I couldn't function. I couldn't function to be the person that God wanted me to be because I just needed some more sleep. So God speaks to us for our physical bodies. He speaks to us through our emotions. I was stressed out. I wanted to throw that laptop out the window. I just had enough. I wanted to just have a week off from being a parent. I wanted to have a week off from having any responsibilities. I wanted to get off the treadmill, but I can't because I'm in the season that God has put me in. And I don't know what season you're in, but God is enough for you in that season. But you need to invite him into that season and listen. And sometimes the simplest things are the things that the Lord will ask you to do, like just have a day off work. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you just need to have a sleep. Simple, simple things but it can be absolutely life-giving. So I accepted God's invitation just for that hour and a half 
to trust God that I didn't run the world, that he could manage without me, that my dirty bathroom would remain dirty, that I wouldn't be the world's best cleaner, not that I ever have been or ever will be. But I thought, you know, if the bathroom stays dirty, the bathroom stays dirty. But what is better, to have a dirty bathroom or a foul-tempered person? Sometimes we just need to rest so that we can allow God to bring and help that fruit in our life so that we can show his glory to the world. Matthew 6.31, Jesus rested and so should we. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. John 4 verse 6. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. If Jesus needed rest, then so do we. And the Lord cares about our whole life. He cares about the fact we get tired. He cares about the fact we get burnt out. He cares about the fact that we can feel overwhelmed and overburdened or feel like we can't do another good enough enough or we can't be enough and we can't do a good enough job and he invites us just to come to that place like Mary and just sit at his feet and sometimes like Mary we just have to learn to say no or not now or I'm going to wait about that I'm going to think about that and if the Lord invites us to spend quality time with him. Because God's a revealer of mysteries. It says in the Bible that God's a revealer of mysteries and maybe there's stuff going on in us we just can't get to the bottom of it. Maybe the best thing we can do is just sit with the Lord and say, what is that in me? Why am I so overwhelmed by this? Why am I so stressed out? Why do I care so much about that small, insignificant thing? What is the fruit in me that you want to grow? Show me what is going on in me. Mark 1:35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Sometimes we need to abide in the Lord in a bit of solitary time. Last Friday, I am an extrovert. I will always very happily spend time with other people. And I just really felt like God said to me, no, you just need to be on your own today. Just, just spend some time with me. Just, just keep away from people. <laughs> just, just, just have some alone time. And I'm learning to listen to the Holy Spirit that when he says stuff like that, he says it because he loves me. He doesn't want to spoil the party, but he loves me. And he knows that actually that's what I need just a bit of time on my own, rather than just to, to do, even by doing things that I enjoy. And it's easy to think that if we're still, then we'll get nothing done. Think, well, well you know, if I'm too still and I just spend too much time doing all this, ah, then I'll just get nothing done. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we set aside times that we spend with the Lord. Sometimes we set moments within the day where we're with the Lord 
and we will be more and more fruitful in who we become as a person. But I also believe the Lord will make us better at what we do because we'll do it in his strength and we'll do it in his power, not our own. So I've just got a few um, signs that may be a little kind of warning signs that we are struggling to abide or struggling to remain in Jesus. And these are little things that I kind of look out for in my own life. So the first one, we fill our lives with so much work or activity or relaxation time, all good and all necessary in the right balance, that we don't prioritize Jesus and make space throughout our day to be with him. We separate the rest of our day from our time with God, seeing our work paid or unpaid, family, parenting, volunteering, as apart from the presence of God, forgetting that God is interested in our whole life and wants to help us be better at our work and to bear good fruit through our work. We get so busy and hasty that we forget Jesus' command that we're to love each other. This is my command, love each other. We can become like Martha, irritated, resentful, easily annoyed, upper height. The kind of person we'd be embarrassed for other people to see us be. When we won't make ourselves vulnerable before God or others, admitting our imperfections and inviting Jesus to cough the branches in us that are not producing fruit and to heal or help us in those areas. We won't take the time to be with Jesus and ask him to show us why we react in an unloving way at certain times or with certain people, or why am I triggered in these situations. And the last one, when we say yes to the things that he isn't asking us to do, but we're doing it to people, please, or because we can't bear to disappoint. Time with Jesus will tell us the things that he wants us to say yes to. So this is a slow and a lifelong process of slowing down to be with Jesus and becoming more and more the person that he wants to transform us into. And it takes commitment and it takes dedication on our part, but it's so um, lovely to look back and to be able to reflect and see how the Lord has changed us. And Jesus promises that he will. He will change us. But our work within that is to remain and to abide and to be with him. And I'm just going to finish with a quote from um, C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. It says, that is why the real problem of the Christian life comes where people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes of the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life 
come flowing in. And so on, all day, standing back from all your natural fussings and frettings, coming in out of the wind. God is intimately interested in our work at home, in our work at the world. He wants us to be the best that we can possibly be, to use the gifts and the talents and the creativities, and he rejoices when he sees us doing those things. But we cannot let our doing be bigger than our being, because everything will flow out of who we are in Christ. Everything will flow out of the time that we spend with him. So I'm going to pray for us, and... um, and then I'm going to share a word that the, that the Lord gave me um, as I was praying about this talk. So, Father, I thank you uh, for the richness of Scripture. I thank you that it breathes life into our souls. I thank you that you love us. No matter what we uh, feel we bring or we don't bring, Whatever season we're in, Lord, I thank you that you care. I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you're for us. I thank you that you love us enough not to just leave us as we are, but to transform us to be more like Jesus. So this evening, Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are present here, Jesus. We thank you that you walk among us. We thank you for the absolute pleasure and privilege and honor it is to be able to enter your throne room because of Christ and for what you did for us on the cross and we we love you Jesus and we thank you we thank you that you died for us we thank you that it's about you it's not about us it's not about anything we could ever do or not do it's just about you Jesus and I just pray for each one of us tonight as we are here Lord or maybe we're watching at home or through the week I pray you just remind us of how much you love us. That you just call us your children and that you delight in us. You delight in us just being with you. You don't ask us to do when we're with you, but just to be and just to rest in your presence. Amen. So um, as I was uh, praying about what the Holy Spirit wanted me to um, bring this evening he gave me um, a picture and it was a picture of um, an aeroplane but like a really like um, why I'll say it from a hundred years ago and I start to think to myself who, who were the first people who were those two guys who invented aeroplanes anyway you probably know it's the Wright brothers uh, and I just and I started to read about it and I was like well wh- what is it Lord because I could see this aeroplane flying I was like what is it that you want to say and um, I started to read about them. And um, I'll just read you what I wrote. And it just said, the Wright brothers spent six years refining their ideas and their invention transformed the world. Their father, Bishop Wright, brought home a small toy helicopter for them when they were children um, made of wood with two twisted rubber bands to turn a small propeller, helicopter, to turn a small propeller. They went on to make bikes. Then they went on to make kites. And then eventually, after six years of inventing, they made the first ever aeroplane. And I just felt like um, 
it was a really specific word for someone or for a few people about having a dream that God has given you. Maybe it's a dream that God's given you from being really young. Uh, maybe it's a dream you're kind of starting to work towards it and you've done bits and you kind of just feel like giving up because you feel like it's never going to take off. But I just really sense the Lord just wants to encourage you just to be really... Um, just doggedly go after that. Just keep going for it. Just keep going for it. Keep taking one step in front of the other. And that invention changed the world. And the Lord wants to use the thing that he's put in your heart to do. And he's going to change, he's going to change the world, whether that is worldwide, whether that is local, your world, whatever it is. But just to keep going with that thing, that dream that God's given you and not to give up on that. Amen. Right. We're going to have some worship. Fantastic.